Hello, welcome to Mary Rose Has an Idea. Uh, this is my second episode, so I took some notes because I remembered where I left off on my first episode, wanted to pick up from there uh, in just a moment. First, before I do that, I wanted to bring to the forefront some of the ideas that I have for making this into an audio newsletter where I suggest or give information about things that I either have used or enjoy myself. I love reading. I love listening to podcasts. I love music and I love food. So I can honestly say that I've got several recommendations on all of those topics. Uh, but today I just chose a few things that I wanted to share that I've really like fallen in love with and think that other people that know me or that listen to me might also enjoy as well. So in January, there was a book in the series that's written by Maureen Johnson called, the first book is called Truly Devious. And those three books, the last book just came out. So like, you don't have to worry about reading a book and then not getting to finish the trilogy because it's not finished yet. Um, this one's completely finished. Uh, it's a great murder mystery, young adult series. And I would, I'm actually considering just buying all of them. I've read them digitally, but I think I'm going to maybe buy all of them because I love them so much. And when I find books that I can reread and love each and every time, um, I'm, I'm passionate about those books. So I should definitely own a copy of each. Uh, so the first book is Truly Devious by Maureen Johnson. Podcasts. Recently, I listened to the Armchair Expert episode with Gwyneth Paltrow. And normally, well, I'll just say, honestly, I've loved Gwyneth for my entire life, like from the point that she was in Hook and you didn't even realize that it was her all the way through to now. Now, Recently, I know she's very polarizing, and I definitely don't think everybody should listen to everything that she says and consider her an expert. I don't even think that re she really considers herself an expert. Um, but it was a really great episode. I really do enjoy listening to Dax and the questions that he asks. But there was a moment with Gwyneth Paltrow, and I think it was about one hour and one minute into the podcast, where she said something and I, I noted the time because I want to go back because I will butcher any kind of quotation of what she said there. But from the, the whole conversation was great. But I really felt from that point that I was like tuned in and really listening because there was a lot of things that really spoke to me in what she was saying. Uh, songs, music. Right now, I've been doing a lot of homework music, which for me is kind of um, mellow EDM I like a, a good kind of EDM dance beat with some kind of mellow electronic noises over the top of it. So uh, in that genre, I would recommend the song Studies in Dance Theory by Adriatique. And I love their circle set. So anytime I had listened to EDM, it's usually because I'm listening to a specific artist's circle and that's spelled C-E-R-C-L-E -E, on YouTube. They do these amazing concerts outdoors in Europe and it's just, it's really cool. It's actually kind of now turning into a little bit of a goal for me to try to make it to one of these EDM concerts and just people stand around and I feel like if I were eating and standing around and listening to EDM, I think I would really enjoy it. So that's like my trifecta now. 
Anyways, so those are my recommendations. I gave you a book, a podcast, and a song to go check out. Next time, I will bring a recipe so that I have something to share there. I I haven't been cooking as much these days, or if I do, it's seemingly to me very boring. But maybe I'll just share some of my staple recipes that I keep going back to over and over again. All right, so moving on. Um, So where we left off in episode one was about the point that I think I was, you know, I left, I graduated in 1999 from Colstrip High School and we were a very small class and my husband and I were dating. Well, so just a big, a very long story short, we had a brief breakup between like Thanksgiving and Christmas or New Year's of 1999 in 2000. I started having like really weird chest pain and I had just just barely dipped my toe into partying. I wasn't a partier in high school, but I was a little bit of a partier in this first year of college um, when I went to Sheridan. And so I started getting really bad chest pain. And then long story long, very long story short, I ended up being diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and I was 19 at the time and I had to undergo chemotherapy and radiation. And amongst all of that, because this was prior to Obamacare, I hate saying Obamacare, uh, prior to the Affordable Care Act, I had to be a full-time student to stay on my parents' insurance. So while I was undergoing chemotherapy, I was also living with my, living at home, going to a class in a nearby community college. And then when I moved to Billings with my, at the time, boyfriend, husband, um, I had to go to college at the college here in Billings because I had to stay full-time student to stay on insurance, even though I had cancer. That's how crazy it is to me that people were so anti-Affordable Care Act because like kids staying on their parents' insurance until 26 is sometimes the only thing that keeps a kid from accumulating a massive amount of medical debt at a very young age. This is what's broken in our country. Have I mentioned I'm going to be running for president? Not this (laughs) in like 2024, 2028. So just so you know, that's some foreshadowing for you. So I had to go to Billings and undergo all this therapy. And my mom was the one that was taking care of the majority of it. Um, You know, just speaking on being a family that has dealt with an illness like cancer, as the person that was suffering from it, I really didn't feel like I could. It's difficult to explain. It's not that I couldn't express my fear or anything like that. But I felt like because I'm the oldest child and because my mom is a nurse and all of these things. And, you know, of course, because I was like Catholic guilt that I'd started becoming a smoker right before finding out I had cancer was I responded to it with a lot of anger and a lot of animosity. And now looking back on it from being an adult, I realize, of course, I mean, this is why we expect so much from kids at 18 and 19 years old when really emotionally and, and everything, they're not mature enough to really be able to know exactly how to speak about what their trauma is. Um, you know, there's just a lot of chemical things going on in their brains, even at that point and throwing onto it that everybody considers partying as being some kind of, 
you know, we see like in the Amish communities when the kids, I can't remember what it's called, when they strike out and they go and they leave the community and they drink and they smoke and they party and then they're ready to come back and they know then what what that other side of that is. And it's like we feel this need to really test out what that other side is to the point that um, it really just kind of at that really critical point in our development when we incorporate alcohol into it, 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 it becomes, like I said before about my presidential bid, it becomes foreshadowing for a lot of the struggles that we, we may have going into adulthood because we're basically um, hampering ourselves. So I had cancer, you know, I, I don't want to like really dwell on that too much because I really at, at this point don't let it become a huge part of my identity. I'm not a part of a lot of cancer um, things. And for my own personal reasons, like if anybody ever wanted to know why I don't do American Cancer Society programs or anything like that, I'd be happy to talk about it. I mean, it's not that I am anti trying to find a cure. Um, I think that we all just have, we, we can all have differences of opinions um, and, and still want a common goal of everyone to, to live happy and healthy and long lives as long as possible, um, with their families. So anyways, this cancer thing left me with this 25% chance that I wouldn't be able to have kids, which was really in all honesty, pretty low. Um, but I, went into my 20s hampered by alcohol and then I was about 26 when I realized that I was um I had not had my period and I I was kind of like at that point I didn't pay any attention to when my last period was so when the doctor was like when when you know they try to calculate that and I'm like I have no idea I'm sorry I have no idea when my last period was cuz I was basically at that point on the reg getting pretty blackout drunk during the week like that was that was about where I was at before I got pregnant with my daughter um she probably and I I, I know she knows this in like the least crazy way possible but she probably did save my life like finding out I was pregnant at that juncture in my life is probably what really helped me start that process of winding myself out of an an addiction to the like the chemical response I would have to alcohol. I don't even want to say it was the feeling because I don't know if I was really numbing anything as I was just numbing boredom. But um, you know, that was I think a big thing with with getting pregnant and having my daughter was she really came at a critical time in my life that I was, you know, <laughs> I was just pretty wasted all the time. And then I had my daughter and, you know, I think I returned back to that lifestyle. I wouldn't say fully, but, um, my husband had to be the one with her in the evenings because when I went back to work after having her, I worked in the evenings. And so he and my daughter really developed a very close bond because basically he did the entire dinner and bedtime every single night that I was working. So um, I will say that was a blessing in disguise. Having a night shift and really wanting to kind of climb a corporate ladder really did help me um, not have control over everything. So he 
really did develop a lot of great parenting skills because he had to. And I think that that's a lot of moms at times feel like they're the only ones that can do all of the things because they really they know they can do them better than their spouse and they don't give their spouse the ability to do them and just do them as slowly and badly as they because it'll get done. So a little life advice there. Um, so with all of my drinking, I, you know, the lucky thing was, is that by the time I had my son, the bars stopped allowing smoking in bars. And that was a huge factor in the fact that since then I did, I think, have a drag off of a Marlboro light about a year after I'd had Coulter and I was, I puked like three times the next day. So I have at that point from, from then on, it has been like nine years since I've had any cigarettes and it's really, it's when I'm a militant non-smoker now. So that's also real fun is I can be a real bitch when I, when I smell smoke and my dad smokes. And so I make little faces when he breathes on me and stuff. And I don't hide my displeasure over being around cigarette smoke at all. I'm very un politic about it. All right. So moving on cancer kids. I was at the time still definitely exhibiting some drink, some problem drinking, um, behaviors. So my whole podcast isn't going to be about sobriety, but I am sober. And that is a big part of who I identify as and the people that I really want to, um, not that I want everyone to, I mean, yes, I'm not going to lie. I would love it if we really cut the dependence on alcohol as a use to celebrate and all of these things, because truthfully, in all honesty, it is a poison, but it's unrealistic. So at this point, it's not as though I expect everyone in my entire sphere to be a non-drinker, but I do also in this podcast want to really point out my own bullshit around it, like things that I thought that you couldn't go to concerts, that camping, all of these activities that I'd really built this culture of being able to drink during um, have been so expanded by not drinking that I really want to like make sure people know that it doesn't shrink anything except maybe the social circle when you get sober. Um but part of my sobriety journey before I get into all of that was my uh, my body is very small. I am about five feet, two inches. And at my heaviest, I was over 160. I am very petite. And I will say this is one big thing that body type matters. It is really, really difficult for me to... Um, sometimes talk about weight loss and my my coaching in a way because I don't want anyone to ever look at the body type that they have and the body type that I have and think that a I, I'm I feel very blessed that my body holds weight the way that it does and that it let that it when when defined that it I really like what I see not everyone feels that way and this is never about shaming anyone for their body um so I want to make that clear. Anytime I'm talking about body stuff, I really want to be very open about the fact that I'm almost uncomfortable about it because I know my body type is desirable, but also at the same time, not everyone has the ability to be as little as I am naturally. And so 
like I know what it looks like for for my body type to carry a lot of extra weight. And I never personally got over 160. But um, I but if I had even gotten more weight, it would have been all around my middle, you know, from about underneath my my well boobs down to, you know, all the way through my thighs. So that that is where I carried all of the weight when I weighed 160. And through a lot of freaking hard work of doing exercise and eating well, I lost weight. Um, so this all started in a, in 2016. So my daughter was born in 2007. My son was born in 2009. And then in 2016, I decided to, um, get into beach body coaching and it was just something I wasn't really planning on doing very much with it. I really didn't know I'd be doing it for this long. Um, and I really didn't know that I would build the kind of community that I have now through it. But the whole thing was, is that I didn't really feel good in the body I was carrying around. And one thing I think is really interesting is that I've always had a lot of high confidence and, uh, and high self-esteem. So I didn't really, I wouldn't say I hated my body. I'd look at my body and I could still see things about it that I liked. And so that was like a big thing for me about my own body image is that it was never coming from a place of hatred. It was really just coming from a place of really not not liking the way my body looked in clothes and not liking the way my body felt when I would be um, moving through the world. So I felt bulkier and I felt clumsier and I felt like I just felt my own heft and I didn't like that. So what I what I did decide to do was I signed up to get a Beachbody challenge pack from somebody and I, it came with one program at that time. Tried it out. Um, I wouldn't say I really liked it. It it was effective. That was the big thing is like liking it and feeling like it was doing what I wanted it to do were two very different things. I didn't really like it. Um, I was sore as fuck after doing it. I had to eat more food and it was really like all about making sure that I was eating as much food in a day as I as I could because there is a definite need for fueling your body when it when you're working hard. Um, and through doing a program and then repeating it and trying again and wanting to to like talk to other people about it, I signed up for coaching and you know, it took me I signed up in 2016 as a coach. It took me until there was a program by the same, the exact same trainer coming out in January of 2018. And her program was very long. At the time, it was the longest run, longest program that they were, they had ever done. Every single episode would be filmed separately and it would all be streaming. And so I was like, I really want to do this program. It's very intimidating, but by God, I need something because that winter I had really eased off the drinking, but I feel still felt like I wasn't seeing any of the results I wanted to see. So this program was supposed to be a commitment of 90 days and that you would do timed nutrition. So eating every two to three hours um, and eating a lot of food and going without alcohol for 90 days. And so this was... I had already 
given myself a lot of excuses for why during that 90 days there were opportunities to be able to cheat. And I guess I would say that there was one person that I followed on Instagram at the time. It's a very big coach. She's actually like my great grandma coach in Beachbody. And she's been sober for like 11 years. And so I was really looking at her and her life and thinking, wow, if sobriety means that there's the potential for seeing more of those things, I I can give it a shot for 90 days. I don't need to make excuses for all of the different reasons that I could. Um, things like St. Patrick's Day and Mother's Day and all of those days, I was like, no, you can, you can try this. 90 days, I think, is absolutely doable. So I went into quitting drinking with the intention of only doing it for 90 days but I kind of realized very early on, this was just giving me permission to try sobriety without the commitment of I'm never drinking again. And that I think is so important and so different in the mindset is like, when we tell ourselves that we're going to go on this weight loss journey, and we're never going to eat cake, cake is we'll never eat it again. That's like, I don't know, a self-fulfilling prophecy almost is that the idea that there's always the option. I always have the option to drink. Always. It's available to me 24-7 pretty much. Um, Now I get to choose that the way that I feel not drinking is the way I want to feel all the time. And I basically get to choose sobriety over drinking every single day. And that to me is like when I have that choice and the benefits of one choice are so clear and so obvious, it doesn't lead me to question whether that choice is the right choice for me. So I guess that's probably a good stopping point for now because leading in after the sobriety piece is really just a lot about um, the tools that I found to assist me in kind of this journey I've been on for the last couple of years of figuring out what my voice is and what I want to say with it and how I want to contribute to the world. So I can't pretend like I don't hope that this podcast in some ways when I, when things, and maybe even now I keep thinking like, well, this is bare bones. This is very minimal. This isn't, this isn't anything like people will, will know that this is, but even I myself know that if I continue with the podcast, beyond two episodes and keep talking about the things that I want to talk about and people are interested enough to keep listening, that this could be a little piece of that mark that I leave on the world because I want it to be a better place. And I want to, I don't know, I guess to some degree really uh, breed harmony and put harmony into the world and create an experience of people who can agree on things or disagree harmoniously and really talk about things and and create a chorus of voices about issues that really pertain to us. And one that really pertains to me is the absence of alcohol, the benefits of the sober lifestyle. And, you know, if that's not something of interest to you, then I will definitely be marking the episodes where I'm talking about it the most um, so that you can not listen to those ones, I guess. Um, but I really do feel like 
sobriety opened so many more doors to me. Beachbody in and of itself and trying this opened so much to me that I can't really, I, I can attribute a lot of things to myself and I'm really proud of myself, but I am so thankful that I had avenues um, the, where I could try these things and find out that I really enjoy, that I really enjoy exercising and that I really enjoy finding easy and simple ways of being able to eat healthy and clean whole foods and not have it be about minimize like no carbs and no red, you know, none of the, like, I'm not a restrictive person. I don't want to restrict myself. If I do, it's because I know that my goals are bigger than whatever benefit I would get in the short term from the, the, the temptations that, that would steer me wrong. Things like, you know, alcohol being a big one. That was a huge time waster for me. And now with all that time that I have, I'm starting a fucking podcast, guys. So I'm going to shut it down here. If you have any comments, I don't know where to tell you to take them. Um, I guess in this case, if you don't follow me on Instagram, you can find me. My profile is public for now. It is uh, swanny119.fiercemode on Instagram. So find me there. Um, follow me, send me a message. If you're listening to this podcast and you want, you have something you want to share, we'll just keep it in IG for now and see where this takes us. Okay. Thanks guys. Have a great day. Bye.